Carl Jung said, Awaken and shine your light for others to follow. The privilege of a lifetime is to become who you truly are. This is an invitation to move differently in the world, to operate from a place of deep knowing and alignment. I'm Adrienne McDonald, and welcome to the Source Code Podcast. Let's dive in. Hello, beautiful humans, and welcome back, or welcome if it's your first time. Grab your coffee or your favorite tea, and let's get into what the muse has for us today. Happy, spooky season. Halloween is upon us. Tales of the veil being thin, and magic abounds. And actually, Samhain is upon us as well. Samhain is a Celtic festival that is marking the end of the harvest season and the beginning of winter or the dark half of the year. Interestingly enough, though, there are discussions always around this time of year when Samhain should actually fall because it's usually celebrated in modern times on uh, the eve of Halloween, November 1st, or um, the other line of thinking is, since the Gregorian calendar didn't exist back in the ancient times, that it was much more likely to have fallen on the dark moon in November, which, um, you know, whatever resonates with you. Regardless, it is considered a time when the veil is thin to the other world. And this time of year always gets me thinking about ancestors and generational beliefs and traumas and spirits and death. And so I thought we could have a little fun today, but also get a little serious because it gives us an opportunity for some reflection as well. Now, I have spoken about my experience with my stepfather's death, but I don't think I've done it on this podcast. I always think of him this time of year because his birthday was um, October 30th. So several years ago, I got a call from my mother that my stepfather was in the hospital. And this wasn't the first time he had been in and out of the hospital because he had multiple issues. But when I picked up the phone that day, something just shifted. And it was like I was listening, but I wasn't listening because something said in the back of my head, get ready. And then I heard, as we were talking, a loud alert go off. And my mother said, gotta go, they're calling a code on someone. And I knew before I even hung up the phone that it was Randall. And so I grabbed a bag, I threw a few things in it, and mother called me back and said, yes, it was indeed, Randall was the person who had coded. And I told her, I was like, I'm on my way, don't worry, I'm on my way. And if any of you have ever experienced, had the experience where someone like is in the hospital or someone is hurt and you're like several hours away, your entire body, it just goes into like this frenzy of chemicals and whatnot. Move, go, go, go. And you're rushing around and I was rushing around and I'm on high alert. And I was definitely in that state. But there was this moment there. It was a, like a beat of pause and stillness, like the stillness that came over me. And I needed, I knew that I needed to sink into it at that moment. And if you've listening, listened for a while, you know that I've said I've I'm an energy practitioner, and one of those disciplines is being a Reiki master. And in training, and on, I think it's level two, 
you learn how you learn a process to connect with people, places, things over space and time. It's it's distance healing is what they call it. And so I took a moment to ground myself to sink into that stillness so that I could connect with Randall. And I asked him not to leave until I got there. And his his energy felt like very in-betweenish to me. He was it was like in a very liminal state. And I could had an image in my head of like a hospital bed, etc. And then I was like, okay, all right, I just need you to hold on till I get there. No, I'm about three hours away. So then I got in the car and I drove down. Ever so often, I would connect, checking in, asking him to stay until I got there. And when I arrived, my mother was a hot mess, as expected. And I went in to see him. And I was a bit startled because it was pretty much the exact image I had seen in my mind. But I really didn't have time to get weirded out or dwell on that because I had already switched into my, you know, my corporate assessment mode of, all right, you know, disaster recovery, business continuity. It's that I have a default mode in a crisis that I can go into so that I can make decisions very efficiently. That's at least that's, that's the way my husband describes it because I knew that we were going to have to make some decisions and I knew that I needed to be strong so that my mother could have someone to rely on to help her through this. So in a nutshell, there really wasn't a whole lot they could do for him at that point. Um, My mother went in to see him and then I went in to see him again and it was Again, that stillness came over, and it was okay. His energy felt, again, very much in the in-between and the liminal space. And that feeling I had already felt before, because I'd been around people that were in the process of leaving this life. They were very close to death. So when we made the decision, so at that time we made the decision that we were going to take him off life support systems. And my mother was very overwhelmed. And I think my brother was overwhelmed. And so I told her that I would stay with him as he transitioned. And they left the room and the, um, the people turned the, the machines off. And I just opened up and I did energy work on him as they... Actually, they, I, did, I started the energy work before they shut the machines off. And then... Again, it was it was a little bit surreal because it was just me and him at that point. It really didn't matter who was around. And at his moment of transition, if I had any doubts about if there were an afterlife or anything, they were they were completely erased in a second. But probably a more accurate description was that there was this really profound interconnectedness of everything in that heartbeat of a moment where there was a a pause of hey we're we're good right and then an acknowledgement of yeah we're, we're all good like it was this weird but yet meaningful connected moment of him leaving and making sure everything was okay and me going yeah everything's okay in that space. 
and then he was gone. And even now, I still talk to Randall on occasion. And it would never occur to me that I couldn't because once I felt into that experience, nothing else would make sense except for, well, of course I can. There's a poem that I read at his funeral. I, I gave the eulogy, and it's called Death is Nothing at All by Henry Scott Holland. And I usually send that poem to people whenever they've had a loss because it, it contains such meaningful truth in it. And as we're sitting in this, this time where the veil is thin, um, it's something to reflect on. So the poem is, Death is nothing at all. It does not count. I have only slipped away into the next room. Nothing has happened. Everything remains exactly as it was. I am I and you are you. And the old life that we live so fondly together is untouched, unchanged. Whatever we were to each other, that we are still. Call me by my old familiar name. Speak of me in the easy way which you always used. Put no difference into your tone. Wear no forced air of sorrow or solemnity. Laugh as we've always laughed at the little jokes that we enjoyed together. Play, smile, think of me, pray for me. Let my name be ever the household word that it always was. Let it be spoken without an effort, without the ghost of a shadow upon it. Life means all that it ever meant. It is the same as it ever was. There is absolute and unbroken continuity. What is this death but a negligible accident? What should I be out of mind because I am? Why should I be out of mind because I am out of sight? I am but waiting for you for an interval, somewhere very near, just around the corner. All is well. Nothing is hurt. Nothing is lost. One brief moment, and all will be as it was before. How we shall laugh at the trouble of parting when we meet again. And I think that's just so beautiful. It hurts to lose someone, regardless if it's someone that's been ill for a while or if it's unexpected. And I have experienced both of those ranges. My father was killed in a car wreck, so that was very, very sudden. You know, we knew Randall was sick for quite some time. I think the fear of death paralyzes so many people. It paralyzes us in ways that we forget how to live. And I believe that's especially so when we lose someone that... In, it, it can just be overwhelming, especially if it's unexpected. But what I've come to realize is that that interconnectedness, if you can access that, it really helps ease the pain and the paralysis because I don't believe anybody on the other, other side that's made that transition um, wants anyone to be paralyzed. I, I don't think that that's the intent. Um, 
Now, what about those ancestors? Well, first of all, what do you think of when I say the word ancestors? Now, the formal definition of ancestor is a person who is typically one more remote than your grandparent, from whom one is descendant. Now, genealogy is is a the the tracing of your ancestors, right? And now that's a big business. So there's a lot of people that are really, really interested in this area. You can even swab and submit now and you'll see who your ancestors are. And also leave your DNA in a database that's accessible by all sorts of people. But I digress because that is my old tech privacy ranty self coming out. So we're not going to do that right now. And what I find interesting in the spiritual communities that there are a lot of a lot of people discuss ancestral healing or um, but they have trouble difficulty connecting with their ancestors and generally it's because there's either some immediate baggage from your personal experience I had this it, I had this with my grandfather um, my maternal grandfather because he's an extremely violent individual. And I had a hard time getting past that. Or a person is having trouble when they have been doing some research and they uncover something that they perceive very uncomfortable about their ancestors. Like they were slave owners or slave traders or they were slave or they were thieves or they committed atrocities of some type, whatever act. Then the shame and guilt, all of that comes in. And the truth of the matter is... When everyone looks down their ancestral lines, depending on what data they have, um, and whether they have it or not, you can rest assured that one of your ancestors somewhere along the way did some bad shit that you wouldn't approve of. And that's, that's just it. Whether that be something that in modern times we can look at and go, no, we, we you know, why would anyone do that? or if it was something that was more appropriate to the times and you're looking at it going, why, why, like, how did you even think about doing that, right? Um, like, you got far enough, a lot of people have human sacrifices in their ancestral lines. Again, there's always going to be something in these lines that we are likely going to be horrified about or that goes against our modern day value system. Okay. However, I do believe that great healing can happen when we connect to the power of our ancestral lines, when we can take from them like the strength and wisdom, but I also have the courage to look at the dysfunctional patterns and belief systems and work to change them. Now, Generational belief systems are tricky. There might have been an absolutely great reason at the time for a belief system to be instilled. However, it might be time for it to change. If you were a healer in your community when the Christians came through and they they may have, if you were public about that, they would hang you or put you in jail. It was probably wise for you to keep them hidden and maybe generations were taught to hide their gifts. Now, there's a couple of ways that you could explore this for yourself. When we sit down and look at, all right, when I look at my ancestors that I know about, 
what wars were happening, what political movements, what major historical events did they live through? And you can take that into consideration of, okay, how would this have shaped my family's belief systems? Consider the cultural stuff. Like, again, I'm Scotch-Irish, mostly Scottish. How did that affect my family? How, and you factor in the religious values of certain errors that have may have affected the belief systems as well. If you go back in my history, I believe that at some point we were Catholic and then we became Protestant. And one wonders, like, why did that happen? You can look at, you can look at all those things. This is a great opportunity to talk to the elders in your family and see what stories that they tell. Because when we look at the stories that families tell, you can pick out belief system patterns. Then you can examine that and go, you know what? Mm, well, this is probably the reason why my great-grandmother did the way the things that she did for as um, keeping shelf goods and, and stuff like that because she lived through the Depression and the Depression era affected so many people's belief systems around money, for instance. Now, I've explored this in my own life, both from an intellectual psychological exercise and also through um, spiritual shamanic ceremony. And in doing both of these, I definitely feel more connected to my lineage. Uh, I've dealt with guilt and shame, and that's mostly been replaced by compassion and curiosity at this point and, and resilience. I mean, I think one of the biggest healing realizations you can look at is look at all of what my ancestors went through. And I'm here. I exist. And that's not just me personally, but also us collectively as humanity. So maybe, maybe show some love to those who came before you as tis the season for it. Now, on this Friday, to round this episode out, I uh, want to keep it a little bit lighter, a little bit lighter. Let's go into one of my own personal funny ghost stories. So when my father died, obviously it was very unexpected, and we ended up moving. And let's just say I wasn't too thrilled about this move. It was in the middle of my high school senior year, and we moved, we were moving to a town that I absolutely hated. I had lived there as a small child. I didn't have great memories. There was just a lot of trauma around it and a lot of drama around it. So my mother sees us and she's like, mm, what can I do for this child to make this a little easier? And so she sent me balloons on my last day before we moved. And so there was this big Mylar balloon that said, hope this lifts your spirits on it. And we move and I take my balloon and months go by, and that balloon is still inflated and stays in my room. And one night, my brother was at the skating rink. I asked my mother, have you seen my balloon? Because it wasn't in my room. And we assumed that my little brother had just moved it because, well, that's what little brothers do, right? I moved it back in my room. And my mother starts joking. She's like, you know, I bet you I know what happened to that balloon. That's your daddy. He's just checking up on us. And we were laughing about it. 
And again, my brother's at the skating rink, so we're just watching television on a Friday night. And back in those days, I think it was Miami Vice. Anybody? Anybody? Yeah. Love that show. Anyway, we were laughing and carrying on, and this balloon comes into the room. And I'm like, what? What the hell, man? Because there's no draft in this house. This, this house was my great-grandmother's house. It had no central heating and air, and that is a whole different other story. 10 out of 10 do not recommend. But anyway, my mother just plays along, and she starts talking to this balloon, and it comes over, and it drops right in front of her face. And she just lets that balloon have it, man. She's just railing. And then she says, I'm done with you. Gone. And the balloon floats over to the corner of the room and turns its face to the corner. And my mother's like, oh, now he's pouting. And we laugh, and we were a little weirded out, but we were also just really, really laughing. And it wasn't spooky or anything. It was just weird. And um, that's not the, the, that, that balloon stayed up for, God, I mean, it was months and months after almost my graduation. And, uh, but one day I came in and it was on the floor. I was like, I guess he was done. But anyway, that certainly isn't the spookiest or the most unnerving paranormal thing that's ever happened to me over the years, but it's certainly the most amusing family story that I have. So, and it makes for a great Halloween story, right? So have fun with those pumpkin carvings. As always, thanks for listening. We'd appreciate you sharing out the podcast if you so feel inclined, if it resonates for you. Uh, hit the subscribe button because that helps other people find this podcast. Also happy to connect with you on social media. I tend to be on IG, threads, Facebook, LinkedIn, more than anywhere else. And of course, remember to find beauty every day. Thank you for listening to the Source Code Podcast. If you found this episode insightful and feel moved to, please leave a review and share it out with those you believe will find it helpful. You can check out my website for more information at www.adriannemcdonald.com. And for more of my more regular musings, connect with me on Facebook, Instagram, Threads, and LinkedIn. I hope you have a beautiful week.